Welcome in, everybody, to another edition of our Winter Rules Podcast here, courtesy of our friends at TD Green. This week, you've got PGA Pro Jeff Metis. You've got our stats man. Stats man. That's what I'm calling you today. Right, I like our it. numbers man, Jeff Blank. I'm Brian Colziel. Kevin Sylvester's working hard elsewhere this week. And our Winter Rules Podcast is presented by... Golf Dojo. We're sitting in the Tita Green Studios here in the Williamsville location of Golf Dojo. And Jeff, I know we're getting closer and closer to the Niagara Falls Boulevard location opening up. Yep, and it's the same setup as this place. Uh, you know, people seem to enjoy the setup we have. We're in the members-only bay, so people who have a membership have access to another bay that non-members have, and they have 24-hour access. And that's at both facilities, both locations. One $20 a month membership gets you a discount every time you play, 24-hour access, and, and extended booking. So if you're into golf, you're into some, you know, going into a nice quiet spot and hitting some golf balls, having a good time with some buddies, I think you should check us out. Yep. And uh, obviously with the weather changing, less opportunities to play outside. <laughs> yes. it's, a, it's a good spot to, if you're thinking about, hey, what am I going to do for the next two months for golf? This yep. is a great spot to start. Yeah, we have all the golf teams. Uh, we got a, a PGA Hope training program in here next week. We got leagues starting already. So, yeah, it's getting to be that season. It's fun. It's fun to be around people that like playing golf. Excellent. Yeah. yeah. So we're going to get our Winter Rules podcast going here. Uh, each week we discuss a rule. We're going to talk about unwritten rules of golf. So maybe some of the things um, that you – may do or may not do or should maybe think of more often. We'll get to that here in just a few minutes. But first, just a, a couple of things uh, from the PGA Tour uh, for this week. Um, this last week, uh, some some good drama, I would say, on the course in the PGA Tour event. And uh, I want to start with Matt Kuchar. Uh, he was a part of this. Uh, on Saturday's round, round three, he was winning and actually had the 59 watch mm-hmm. going on. Uh, he was playing really, really well, and it was in, in you know, I guess I would say a, a very good possibility until he reached the 15th hole. And uh, that's when it all went downhill from there, oh, unfortunately for him. Now, I didn't see the round of golf, but I did see the swing he made on 15, and boy, was that tentative. So at some point in his mind, things were creeping in. He was not focused on the shot at hand, but maybe more on the result or the potential that he had in his round because that was uh, that's one of the worst moves I've seen Matt Kuchar make, and I've seen him make a million jillion swings, I feel like. Yeah, it was the Worldwide Technology Championship, the fall event uh, in Los Cabos in Mexico. Yep. But uh, he was winning and winning by a bunch, Jeff. But you're, he's playing, you know, flawless golf at this point. Yeah. The 59 watches on, and he gets to 15 and hits it out of bounds. And then later, he's up by the green and hits what I would say is a challenging chip shot up to the top of the green. It was elevated, and it rolled all the way back down, not only to where he was, but past him and then into like a sandy dune hazard. Oh, isn't that fun? And it had like, you know, yeah. kind of the... Uh, it got harder. It, yeah, the sandy grass and little weeds and then, you know, the sand. And then he took a big, you know, it was like a big splash, like he was in the bunker from there and then had to come back and three-putt and took the eight. So, you know, 59 watch over. 59 watch over. At that point. Yeah. But, you know, it, it, and that's funny how... It, and then I wonder... You know, it, it's amazing how quickly, if you lose your focus, you can lose your confidence. And you cannot hit good shots. And if you're not focused on the task at hand, and I'm assuming, I mean, I'm not inside his brain. And sometimes there's mechanical things that cause you to, to freeze up. But that that tee shot, it, he stopped moving. It was yeah. it, something happened there. He steered that sucker out there, and it did not look healthy. There's some. There's obviously some things that go along with this. You're playing lights out. So you you're know. on the on top of the world. Correct. I mean, he's playing as good as, good as he could be at that point. By the way, uh, 
he finished in tied for second with Camilo Vajegas. Uh, Eric Van Royen was the one. Who, yeah. Ruin, right? Ruin ended up yep. winning. A lot of good stories uh, there, too. Yeah. yeah, there were a lot of good stories yes. there. Yep. He, uh, he, he was Bajegas. pretty emotional after that win. Yeah, yeah. Vajegas, a name from the same past. Thing, yeah. Coming back, yeah. maybe just this, you know, same era, Kuchar. Yeah. Yep. When Kuchar was playing his best, Vajegas was as well. But you're, you're playing great, and then all of a sudden um, there's that swing. And I guess maybe a lesson for us amateurs that um, wouldn't have the expectations that professional PGA Tour players would have, Jeff, is that Yes, even when you're maybe you think you're locked into your zone, sometimes still you got to remember every shot. There's got to be your routine, your focus, because it can get away from you as it did even there for Kucher, who was probably feeling as good as any round he had in his life. And I, you know, like I said, I didn't see the round, but I wondered if he had to wait a little while on that tee. And I would almost guess something came into his mind, or some negative thought, or some extraneous thought popped into his field of vision there while he was playing to hit a shot like that. Because for any tour player, a shot like that is is a poor execution and especially when you're you're grooving it like that something something it's a mental mistake probably more than a physical mistake yeah and what you normally see from the pros too is they're very good at not compounding the mistake so to see somebody like Kuchar really struggle even as it got to the green is, yeah. is a little surprising as well yeah anyway so some good stuff going on here is I guess it's you know the fall season there's some events happening here and there right now most of the big names obviously are not playing uh but for a long time Kucher was probably in the discussion for best player that hadn't won a major. You know, maybe a decade ago, if we were going to have this discussion, hey, who's the best player right now that hadn't won a major? Maybe Kucher is amongst yeah, maybe the... Maybe more recently maybe, than a decade yeah, ago. Yeah, maybe even less. Yeah, You're yeah, right. Yeah. He'd be in that mix. Yep. Um, and Lee Westwood was probably up there, yeah. For sure. Mm-hmm. So let's shift it to now late 2023 here as we record this here on our first November Monday Who's the best player currently in the world of professional golf that is yet to win a major? We always like to have this discussion, so we haven't done it in a while. So I'm going to throw some names out there, and then we'll see which one jumps off the board. Jeff Benis, we'll start with you here. So I'll just, I'm going off the world golf rankings. Scotty Scheffler's number one. We know he has a major. Rory McIlroy's two. We know he has multiple majors, as does John Rahm, number three. Okay, then the next three, four, five, and six, all do not have majors. Victor Hovland, Patrick Cantlay, Xander Shoffley. All three of those, I would argue for all three of them, if you forced me to argue for any of them. I think those would be in the discussion. Number seven is Matt Fitzpatrick. We know he won a U.S. Open. Number eight is Max Homa. We had a very good year on the PGA Tour. And then nine and ten are guys that just won their first major, Brian Harmon and Wyndham Clark. And then it goes on in through the teens where there's still a lot of guys that have won majors like Colin Morikawa and Jordan Spieth and Keegan Bradley and Brooks Kepka and Cameron Smith and Jason Day. So I'm going to, I don't want to go too far down the list, but how about those four that are in the top 10 that have yet to win a major Hovland, Caffley, Shantley, and Homa. You got a name there, Jeff, that you would say, this is the guy for sure that, should have a major already, or you would consider the best player in the world not to have won? Well, I don't know if they should already. I have two. I have Homa and Hovland. Yeah. I think both of them have been, you know, I think Hovland's probably playing as well as anybody in the world right now, so maybe he's next. And Homa has been a, a great competitor. He's he's up and down, but he's been he's been creeping and getting better year after year after year. Now, I'm hesitant to say it because they're also, they haven't been 
that good that long as some of the other players that we talked about yeah. in the past. And uh, but Hovland and Homa have risen up and risen up quickly here. Correct. You're right. So they haven't been. Gra- it's not. They're not five years where they they haven't had as many major opportunities as maybe the correct. other two. Cantlay and Shoffley have had a little bit more opportunities. Xander Shoffley might be if you were just going over time, who might who might or should have one by now. But right now, if I had to pick like the two best players in the world that don't have a major, it'd be Homa and uh, Hovland. So I'm going to put a qualifier on it. Of course you are. I don't think it's Hovland. <laughs> he's 26 years old. That's That was my point. So yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. I, I think he's in a different tier. I, I don't think he, he's played in enough majors. To I'll, jump, I'll just jump in on Hovland that. quick. My argument for Hovland, not to say that he should have won one by now, mm-hmm. who is the best player on the board at the oh, moment. Yeah, at the I moment. think he's yeah. playing as good as anybody. We know he dominated in the FedEx Cup playoffs. His iron play now is as good as anybody in the world. Mm-hmm. Um, he you know, his short game that maybe was the one piece that we thought maybe was weaker than the top players. He's gotten that yeah. fixed. Uh, I so would say it's, fa- it's better. It's, 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 it's improved. Be- much better, it's, yeah. it's much better. Yeah. Yeah. So it f- feels like he's playing the best, but I agree with you. He hasn't been on the scene long enough that I would say, like, oh, yeah. how, how come he hasn't won a major yet? Like, I wouldn't put any blame on him. At yeah, this kind point. of the monkey off the back. I don't think yeah. at that age you've, you've earned that. And kind of goes for that moniker. That yeah. moniker. Yeah. Somebody that you don't think about as much because he was injured, but Will Zalatoris I would put in the same category as a Hovland of give him a little bit more time. Where he has, like, a Max Homa. He's 32 years old. He took a little different route to get there. Uh, he almost seems younger because he hasn't been in the spotlight for that yes. many years. But I would pick... Uh, Xander Schauffele, kind of the, the reigning Olympic champion uh, from 2020, which it's, that'll be coming up. Zell well. Torres is interesting too, but we, yep. he's been out of our, our purview yeah, for a while. Exactly. He's been out of the, uh, yeah, exactly. Yeah, because he's been injured for a while, and we forget how good he was before he got hurt. Yep. Schauffele's had a ton of, I feel like, top fives in majors or top tens in majors. So, I mean, he's had his opportunities for sure. Yeah, seven wins on the PGA Tour, obviously, Olympic uh, champion. Made almost $40 million in earnings so far in his career. So. Doing all right. He's yeah. doing all right. And, and he's got that mentality, too. I mean, to win an Olympic medal, you got to have that grind, and he, he brings that to, to majors. And I think he's somebody that can break through, but I'm kind of surprised at 30 years old that he hasn't maybe entered that arena in the majors uh, so far. See, it looks, it just to me, it seems so hard. There's four events a year, That's a tough, and, yeah. you've, and you're playing against 150 best players in the world, and you've got to peak at the right time and catch the right side of the draw yeah. and make a few putts and have a few breaks go your way, and... You can play great and not win. Which, that's going to lead me to a totally separate conversation that I'd like to have some somewhere down the line on this podcast is how do you determine the best player ever? You know, Jack Nicholas with the majors, but Tiger, I mean, winning percentage-wise, blows away the rest well, of the crew. to me, it's the no crew, discussion. It's Tiger. Yeah, we'll, uh, we I think that'll that. be a nice future. Yeah. Except we're all going to say Tiger. Well, yeah. maybe not. You never know. <laughs> the amount of runner-ups that Jack has had in majors is a strong argument to keep him in the discussion. I'm not disagreeing oh, yeah. on Tiger, and Tiger would be my answer for right. as well. But when you look at, if you take first and seconds in majors, Nicholas then blows away right. the but field. Think- because And Tiger for a long time, which, you know, what an unfair criticism. We'd say, oh, he never came back to win a major, right? That, right, was the, right? that was the thing. He either was first or he just struggled and he wasn't really in the picture. You know, like, well... Well, he won so he, many, he, he didn't won. have a lot of seconds. Right. Yeah. He I won. just don't understand. I he just won any time. Four events a year to say who's the best player. I mean, Tiger, again, crazy throughout his whole well, career. The cuts streak that he can had. We, can we blame Tiger 
for this argument that majors are the ones because he, he's the one who created it. He did it, right? I mean, wasn't he the one that really said it's all about the majors? No, no, no. I'm older than Was you it? guys. Everybody's said been it? saying it. Yeah. Nicholas, Hogan, Palmer, Snee- anybody who's been playing golf and into golf, it's, it's always been all about the majors. Mm. And any player has measured themselves by majors. And the, the only thing, and I don't want to get too far down this See, rabbit hole. Uh, I'm sorry, <laughs> I brought you down a rabbit well, hole. You know, I mean, I, I, Jack is the most amazing player. It, it, Tiger's just better. And Jack played against, the fields weren't, Tiger reformed golf, changed golf, created modern golf. And Jack, you know, he, he beat a lot of really fine players, but they would the the depth of the fields weren't nearly as, as strong as they are now. Yeah, which maybe could be why he finished second, top, second or you know first yeah. or second. If he had so an off often. week, he'd still finish second. Yeah, right. where Tiger, if he had an off week, may may have been fifth. Is this similar to the Hashik conversation? Who's the best goalie ever? Kind of like Hashik was just Hashik in his prime was Hasek, the best goalie ever. Wah, Brodeur, those yeah. are the guys that like to say it. I I thought Brodeur was overrated, but Brodeur is me too. Yes. I agree. I'll, good. I'll we're all in that. agreement <laughs> with that. We are. I would not pick. Oh, Brodeur. No, 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 no. He's got the stats. Yes. He, in an era that was very goalie friendly. Yep. The dead playing f- playing for a playing team, for a team that, that loved to protect defense. their goalie. Yes. The trap. Yeah. See what I did here? Yeah. Great. I, I feel we like I do this every golf? week. Yeah, you do. Sorry, <laughs> taking it down. Xander Shoffley, that's my pick. Right. 30, 30 years old. He's built for the majors, but for whatever reason, he hasn't closed. Okay, I'll I'll, I'll agree with that. I think I think those those guys that we brought up. I think it's it's one of those. Cantlay showed in the Ryder Cup. We know he's you know salty. Can can <laughs> salty get after right. it. Yeah, he can handle the pressure. So is is Shoffley the next one to win amongst those, or maybe not? Because we just said Homa and Hovland maybe are even playing better. I, at the I moment. think Hovland's probably the pick of who wins next. Yeah. If you were to look at like odds, probably going into next year, you could probably look at that now in terms of majors. Sure, um, he can. He might have the, the Masters. He probably has the best odds of the of the players people. we're talking about. I would imagine. Yeah. All right. Well, so we'll 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 say collectively Shoffley, be, for all the factors of the amount the of years. events and. Yep. All that sort of stuff. Okay, I'll go with that. And, of course, there's two super popular players that fans love that maybe a year or two ago or maybe with the other player I'm about to mention here could have been five or six years ago we would have said it. Two players that are ranked in the top 25 of the world, Ricky Fowler and Tony Finau, they have wins. Super popular players, great careers so far, but both would probably admit if they were on our podcast right now that they – are disappointed that they haven't won a major either. Oh, certainly. Yeah. I, I, I think any player who's been on tour for 10, 12, 4, what, you're, you're going to be disappointed. You had, no matter where, who you are and where you stand on the tour, you don't want to win major by at this point in your career. Yeah, I would agree. I would say here also, looking at the odds, Xander is plus 400 to win a major in 2024. Hovland's plus 250. Yeah. So he's almost. So the odds makers the odds. are thinking it would be Hovland. Yeah, it's major. Where's yeah. Cantley at? Does do you have him on that? Uh, list? He's plus three fifty, so he's in between. So he's in between. Yep. Interesting. And Homa, Homa four fifty. All right, so, so he's I, even worse than. I'm gonna throw some money on Homa. There you go, four fifty. If right. I had some, not bad. Yep, <laughs> that's right. Our winner rules podcast here from our friends here, T to Green, of course. Uh, Jeff Blank, Jeff Metis, I'm Brian Colziel. Thanks for joining us here. Our winner rules podcast presented by Golf Dojo. Make sure you check them out. Uh, My Golf Dojo on social media, on uh, Twitter and on Instagram, and uh, golf mygolfdojo.com as well as yep. the website if you want to get information about uh, being a member here as uh, we broadcast this here on the first week of November. Okay, 
rules. It's winter rules. We, always, we talk something about rules each week. This week, unwritten rules. A rule that you won't find in your rule book, but you definitely should follow or definitely should know or would be encouraged to do. So, Jeff, you're going to start off with maybe uh, the unwritten rules of behavior on the golf course. Is that a, a good label for yeah, it? Yeah, see, yeah, as a PJ <laughs> professional and someone who's played for a while, you know, uh, how you comport yourself on the golf course to me is one of the most important unwritten rules in golf. You know, we call it a gentleman or a ladies game, and we act like ladies and gentlemen when we play. And there, there's few things that ruin the round for your fellow competitors more than an angry golfer or a, a pouty golfer or a... Uh, you know, a, a disappointed golfer, someone finding flaw with everything on the golf course. The you know, uh, I, I was I, you can blame everything, but uh, the the one thing I heard when I was a kid, I got mad once, and I was told by a very good player, ended up playing the tour for a while. You're not good enough to get mad, son. Yeah, so just enjoy your day. So um, and don't ruin it for other people. There's nothing worse than bringing a guest out to a nice place and having them. Drop an F bomb. That's how or, you don't get invited back, right? Or chuck a club, or slam a driver into a tee, or you know, chuck a club at a cart, or you know, all those things. That when you're out there, you got to remember you're part of an ecosystem. You know, there's 150 people on that golf course at the same time. You're one one part of the moving pieces, and everybody's trying to enjoy their day. And if you uh, if you can't comport yourself in a way that everybody else gets to enjoy the day with you, then then you shouldn't be out there, and uh, that's and, fair. And no one wants to be with you, so that's that's my most important. You know, I always tell beginner golfers and beginner ladies and juniors, no one ever cares what you shoot. They care if you play quickly, ball, and and are fun to play with. You know, and yep. and, and and that's all. No, like I you play rounds of golf. I don't know what anybody shoots. You know, you don't, you shot your own score. Nobody else knows what your score is. They're concerned with their own game. But if you make it about yourself out there. And about how you're playing bad and you're having a bad day and you can't believe the breaks you're getting and I've never missed so many three footers, so it's it, it takes the enjoyment for everybody else and it brings their game down. So don't bring somebody else's game down because you're not having your best day. I would agree with that. It definitely can can bring you down if you're playing with somebody that's not handling their disappointment well. What do you suggest then if you are playing and maybe you're playing? With others, where you're keeping score, and it and you know you're playing maybe for a few playing bucks or right, whatever. correct, yeah. and things are maybe not going to where you would expect them to be. Maybe you are struggling for a couple of holes here. Like, what are some ways that you would suggest if you were out there and maybe maybe oh, it's maybe it's par- maybe partners and you're my partner and I'm just I'm not handling it well. Like, what do you suggest to me if I all of a sudden maybe kind of quote unravel in terms of not my behavior, but maybe just all right, I hit a bad shot, I hit another bad shot, and you maybe you're sensing, hey, Brian may unravel here. Like, we don't want to ruin, as you said, the round for everybody. Yeah, I tend to get try to distract people and try to get them focused on the next shot. You know, it sounds super simple. Hey, we got to focus on the next shot. Because golf, the nature of golf is you make one good swing, and all of a sudden everything clicks again. You yeah. know what I mean? So I was always just trying, if I was struggling, I was going to grind it out because I took a lot of pride in whether I made a par or a bogey on that hole or if I could shoot 74 instead of 75. That meant a lot to me at the end of the day, and I never wanted to quit on a shot. And I knew if my temper got a hold of me or my anger, that it, there's no way that was constructive. You know, if Josh Allen's smashing his like or screaming at people, typically it's not going to be a constructive way. So I would take a player like you and say, hey, let's find a good way. Hey, maybe let's tone it back. Maybe hit a three wood. Let's let's make two or three good swings. 
and maybe just focus on some rhythm and some centeredness of contact and, hey, hit it in the middle of the green here instead of aiming at the pin. Try to get your mojo back in any way, shape, you can, or form you can and enjoy the day. You know, you're in a beautiful place. You're out in nature. You're with your buddies. Find a positive in that and uh, and try to use that to turn your round around. Once you feel that inner tension build up inside of you and that angst, it's or that it, it just it's really hard to to make a good fluid free flowing aggressive confident golf swing, and it's hard too because for some that maybe if you don't play a lot and this is like hey this is my one round with my buddies here you know I, maybe he only plays twice a month or something like that and you're really excited maybe you you made a drive or a trip out of it and you know maybe you're you're not getting off to the gate here and you're like oh man you know I'm so looking forward to this experience. And you speak from experience, Brian. and you feel like maybe no, no. I'm just. I mean, it could. I'm just rattling off lots of options here. Yeah. You know, maybe it's just you're not playing well, and you're so frustrated with yourself that maybe you're not handling it right. Well, the best way yeah. to get out of it is focus on the process, then, right? Yep. Yeah. Yep. Just focus. Hey, well, what do I do? I go through my pre-shot routine. I try to hit the best shot I can. I try to pick the right shot, and then what happens then is typically you you start not thinking clearly, so you start trying to hit shots you shouldn't hit, as opposed to. I'm just going to bunt this little seven iron at the middle of the green and try to two putt. You're like, I'm going to take this eight iron and hoist it up in the air and try to line. And that's, and then you can pound it. So the more you can get back to a, a solid foundation or hit it, just one or two good shots will usually turn your mind frame around. All right. Unwritten that's rules. my theory. Yeah. Yeah. Just make your, if you're out there and no, if people aren't enjoying being with you, then you shouldn't be out there. All right. Jeff, you want to jump in with one? Yeah. I don't know if, how much of a rule it is, but. Self-awareness on the golf course to me is a huge aspect of playing. You kind of mentioned anger, and it's not fun to play with somebody who's not self-aware as well. And some of the examples I use are, you know, I play with a lot of lot of different golfers. You know, you're about to approach your your ball on the tee, you're going to hit, and all of a sudden you stop and tell a two minute story, oh. and you're holding up the group <laughs> from moving. It's cart path only. And you walk from the cart path and where your cart is to the ball to get your yardage. And then you walk back to the cart to get your club. And then you walk back to the ball to hit your shot. You know, bring a couple clubs with you, things like that. Be around the greens. Don't park the cart 30 yards prior to the green. Make sure you're up, that you can get to the cart quickly after you, you finish putting. And make sure you have clubs with you that um, you might need around the green. Don't just maybe assume you're on the green if you can't see the ball. Maybe bring a wedge if you need to. Bring a putter. Um, really just kind of think your way around the golf course, not only thinking about your shot and what's coming up, but thinking about how you're going to navigate the course the, the most efficient way. Situational awareness. Situational yeah. awareness, self-awareness is huge for me. Yeah, and it even could be with the group in front or behind you, too. Like, are you holding play up? Are you, you yeah. know, are be people aware, with, yeah. be aware, aware of where thing. you are on, yep, to let people play through? Yep. My favorite line, you know, go up to a slow group. Hey, we, you guys are a little behind. Hey, we haven't waited all day. I don't know what you're talking right. about. It's well, not why slow. is there two holes between <laughs> right. you and the next <laughs> group? waited for one shot. Yeah. 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 Self-awareness is huge. Yeah. yeah. And I think that goes, too, with the players that you're with. Um, if I'm sensing, like, okay, you know, on this hole, maybe Jeff needs an extra minute or something like that to get ready for a shot. I Just little stuff communicating, even though maybe – you know, he might be five yards behind me. I could say, hey, Jeff, you know what? I see you in the other second there. I'll go ahead. Take your time or something like that. Or I've hit, you know, yeah. I've hit a bunker shot. You can tell I'm raking. You can tell I, you know, I'm running. I walk over to my putt, and then, you know, you could say, like, hey, you know what? I'll go here. I'll give you an extra. Yeah, give me a second to catch your breath. You hit it on thing, the head, too. You know? And even kind of like if you're yeah. driving the cart, dropping off somebody to hit their shot, you go to yours. You know, you don't wait there and sit and wait for them to hit and then drive to yours, which might be. 15 yards to the left. You can yeah, get ready for your shot. 
It's a good time to have your cell phone off. You know what I mean? Because yep. you see a lot of that with the cell phones, yep. and they're on the and they're calling work. I understand that occasionally has to happen, but if you're yep. the guy that's on your phone the whole time, and music, fine. I'm all, I'm all into listening to music when I'm out there on the golf course. It'd be, but it's not loud enough that it's affecting the people on the next yeah. hole. You know, they, I love ACDC. You're not bringing black. a boombox yeah. on the shoulder <laughs> on the golf course. You know, a little you know, yeah, Cypress Hill here and there. But yeah, not everybody's <laughs> into Cypress on the golf course. Yeah. I would agree. All right, some good unwritten rules there as uh, we roll on here toward the end of our Winter Rules podcast here for our first week in November. Um, I did get a play, chance to play Saturday. The Saw weather that. was very, 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 very nice. Saw some videos. Yeah. yeah, swing's looking like uh, June. Yeah, and uh, I think the, t- the temperature of like that upper 50s, 60 when the sun was out, and I was like, it almost was like, I was like, it was perfect because it was no wind. And I said, I had the hoodie layer on. I, I had the golf shirt and the hoodie and the pants. I'm like, it's almost perfect. Almost perfect. Right? And it's firm in the fall. More, yeah. Normally it's firm in the fall. You know, you get some rain, but you don't get as yeah. much. And the, the turf is firm and it's the greens have come back. And, yeah, it's a, it's a great, great time to play. You talked about mindset and, you know, handling anger or whatever. I think playing in November, I think that I play better because I'm in such a good frame of mind because it feels like bonus golf. Well, I, there's no expectations on score. Maybe either. that's it. There's no expectations. Could it be because we're like, well, this you know, is this is a bonus round. Yeah. Like, I can't believe it. It's This is it's the time six, of year where... 58 degrees in November and I'm playing and the course is in amazing shape. So all of a sudden, your mindset is... You know, your your swing is better. Your your in between your ears is better. If you make a par bogey, it doesn't matter, right? Yeah, without expectations, there's no disappointment. That, that's right. <laughs> but this is the time of year where you try stuff too, right? But for me, like different equipment, like different, you know, might try a different wedge here, like different playing putter, with sh- yeah. fewer clubs this time of year. Yeah, yeah. See what you you know. Hey, if you normally dry the draw the ball, you don't try to hit a fade. The whole, whole round. whole round. The whole round. See yep. what you can do. Yeah. yeah, it's fun to do that. You find stuff. some things. Yeah, last last week on our podcast, Kevin and I talked about how we had 14, you know, the rule obviously of 14 clubs in your bag. Would that would there be some benefit if they decided to cut it back? Or if the PGA Tour actually had less? I, I think like, you... Would there be more strategy in the sense that you could ask people... Not, don't, not only, ask, don't ask well, the guy. Yeah, the exactly. guy. 700 clubs. Not only strategy, but also creativity. I think it would bring out like the Tiger Woods of the world that can hit every single shot and take off and you with know, different, add, right? Yeah, he, he's a master at that. Jordan Spieth would be another one there. A lot of guys grew up playing it differently, though. Yeah, like, the ball was different, the clubs were different, right. and 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 the data show. I mean, if you we had we've done this at clubs I've been at where you've had these tournaments. People don't shoot much different scores if you take out their odd or their even number irons. Isn't that amazing? Yeah, it's not. You don't need. You know, and then back in Bobby Jones' day, he had like twenty-eight clubs in his bag, right? right? So, uh, you know, I, I was saying, how many clubs would would DeChambeau have in his bag? Oh, he'd have a hundred. He'd have a hundred. <laughs> talk about slow play. He couldn't find his clubs. Yeah, yeah. I mean, where's my fifty-one degree wedge? Right. And I'm Can you go back to the 52. cart and get it? <laughs> yeah, no, and, and there's people like that that would you know that would dial it down to one degree wedge per club and stuff like that. And that's I don't know if you need more decisions on the golf course, but. Pre-round, we don't really think about decisions other than maybe what we're going to wear. Right. But yep. there would be pre-round decisions if I said, you know what, I'm cutting that to 12 on you. Yeah. Like, okay, well, what two clubs are you taking? And it would probably vary depending upon what course you're playing. I was just going to say, right? yeah, you might start to visualize the holes that you're going to play and, think, and say, okay, okay this is what a part I three. Hit I know we're going to play. It's going to be a 
most likely between this yardage, I got to make sure I have some type of club that reaches that. And if you look at your bag, there's probably clubs in your bag you haven't hit in three rounds. Yeah. You know, so a lot of players, depending on your facility and your skill level right. and stuff like that and where you're playing and if you're to diversity of facilities. But there's, you know, how many guys, if you took a four iron out of most people's bags. Yeah. I wouldn't miss it. Yeah. I think if you took it. a three wood out of most people's bags, I mean, yeah. if you're trying to hit a par five and two, maybe, but if you're just trying to get up there as close as you can, hit a five wood instead. Yeah. There's, I've gone many rounds without hitting my three wood. That's oh, yeah. For sure. That's yeah. Although I love my three wood. Well, so I'd have a hard time, you know, not doing it. I mean, even, you know, obviously in some sense, considering us in our, in our radio land, we consider ourselves analysts of professional golf. Like to think about that. You know, as we're analyzing what the professionals do, they go into their round and be like, all right, you know, what two clubs is Tiger taking out of his out of his bad for the final round of the good, Masters? It'd be or good, what? It'd be good TV. Know, it would uh, be good TV. Tiger doesn't have his eight, uh, so he's either yeah. got to go seven or nine. Right. Not, not going to be a problem. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Or for most players, because it's after a while, it's not. It is something, though, Jeff, I think that I, I feel like that I've been doing better with practice. You've had me do this here at the dojo where I work on – I. I hit the practice range feature here at dojo and set it at 150. And then you would, you know, you had me do it like with three different clubs. I was doing like, okay, hit it with your nine, hit it with your eight, hit it with your seven and all these different shots. And it allowed me to really take some different swings. But after a handful of them, all of a sudden, like, okay, I can hit that shot at three quarters or the abbreviated back, you know, back take or follow through. And all of a sudden now, I've got maybe three different ways to yeah. hit that 150-yard shot. That's the creativity I'm talking about where I think the fall time is a great time to do that where you might, let's say you're 155 yards out and normally that's a stock 8-iron. You might be able to hit a cut 7 or a draw 9 to get to the same distance. So you start to be a little bit more creative with your flights uh, to see to try to get gain a little bit more distance or, or take a little bit off it. Yeah, I almost don't know my stock yardages because there's so few shots that, that, that you hit right. or stock. It's a range, right? Yeah, it's a range, yeah. and mm-hmm. it's how high am I going to hit it? What's the, I mean, there's so many variables with every shot. Yeah, and if you watch most most really good players, they are just not ripping wedges. I always say, you know, and just with with mm-hmm. your son Jack in the bay, like, hey Jack, good players don't hit their wedges up in the air. They flight them down and trap them, and yeah, get them. you know, same thing with their irons. You know, there's very few unless. Unless yeah. you have to, the, the iron shots are distance control precision shots. Driver, let's let it rip. Yeah. And that's why you'll never, you know, I can hit my seven iron this far, but I can also hit it from 135 into the wind and chip it up and roll it Wouldn't out. Wouldn't you say that's near the top of the list of what you see amateur golfers always do is that it's always the decision of 150 I, my eight iron. I can get it there with this so that's automatically the club i'm gonna hit here because look hey if i hit my wedge 100 percent, i can get it there so that's yeah. the club they always pick I, I think it's one of the biggest differentiators between good players and not so good players because you put a six iron in a good player's hand at 150 he's not worried about it because he can hit it 190 he's just gonna chip it in there into the wind or whatever it is i just saw a a tweet today um i'm someone that interviewed gary player and gary player said what's he goes if if you could just throw out one if you if you had 10 seconds with just an amateur player for advice he said amateurs never take enough club yeah Uh, yeah. that was that was gary players like a little line there and obviously there's probably a million great things he could say yeah but i think that's that goes into that and bringing it maybe full circle to our kind of title sponsor here at golf dojo that's the importance of also carry distance you know, just because you hit an eight iron 160 when it was 90 degrees out and it was concrete 
yeah. you know, all around doesn't mean you're going to hit it 160. Else. So you got to understand, and I would recommend for people to come. I do this all the time. Come to Golf Dojo. Get your numbers. Understand what your ranges are. At least your core your, basic yeah. Yeah, concepts. Yeah, exactly. Uh, I do that for pretty much each club in my bag. Um, and if you're, you're skilled enough and you can fade the ball, draw the ball, you can kind of get all different numbers and have that with you as you go to the golf course the next time. And well, it's then beautiful. every day is different. You know, yeah. you play weather, you play this temperature. Weekend, right? It was humid. a little. If it's a little cooler, maybe you do yeah. have to take extra clubs. Right, even that sort of if thing. If it's wet and sticky, if it's yep. hot and dry, if it's breezy, well, yeah. I mean, that was the thing. I was you just mentioned. I was playing with my son, so I was playing with Jack on there on Saturday, and it had it had it had been raining, but it's also a little. It was a little cooler and a little damper. And I said he hit a chip, and he's like, "Oh, it didn't roll out or whatever." I said, "Bud, the greens are just going to be a little softer yeah. all day." So I said, "You may have to carry just a little more." Or you may have to take a little bit less, you know, maybe instead of yeah. hitting your 56 wedge, just hit your pitching wedge and then it'll run a little more, like things like that. But again, it all goes back to the different varieties. And then sometimes it hit. gets greasy on top and you have to be aware that first one's yeah. not going to check. It's going right. to skid. It's going to skid, yeah. yeah. And, yeah. and th- that's where experience comes in and, and creativity comes in and, and awareness. Like yeah. the, That's why you see the tour players. They're always looking at the wind, checking the grass. They're getting the weather forecast. I mean, it's it, it, they're wondering what everybody else hit on that, you know, all those things because, you know, I'm, I don't hit a seven iron as far as Camilio be Jagus, but yeah, I. In, yeah. But if I know he hit a seven, I know what I can, how it will affect me. Um, so that's you just need to be aware, and that's kind of yeah. what makes the game great. To be honest, is every day you can play the same course, and every single day is a completely different day. That's beautiful. I would agree. Coolest game for that. Yep. All right, gentlemen. Good stuff. Thank you. PGA Pro Jeff Medus, Jeff Blank. I'm Brian Colziel. Thanks for joining us here on another edition of our Winter Rules Podcast presented by. Golf Dojo. Don't forget, check out information if you want to become a member here at mygolfdojo.com. And don't forget to follow us on our social media handles on Instagram and Twitter at T2G Buffalo. For Jeff and Jeff, I'm Brian. Thanks for listening. We'll talk to you next time on our Winter Rules podcast.